Okay, good evening, everyone. Uh, good evening, everyone. I uh, did not imagine, like none of you imagined, that we would be gathering together for this discussion here tonight uh, about preparing for Pesach for the unprepared. Uh, a lot of what's happening these days are things that we are not exactly prepared for. Uh, many, 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 many people. I assume many, many people on this call and beyond had uh, all kinds of plans for Pesach that uh, have changed, have changed substantially. There's no expectation, of course, that anybody will be able to go to a Pesach hotel. There's no expectation. Israel announced that it is closing down to anybody coming into the country at this point in time. And um, so many people are finding themselves in a situation here at the quote-unquote last minute, which thank God it's not the last minute. Thank God we're still a few weeks till Pesach. Um, but uh, for Pesach preparation and mindset, it certainly is for us the last minute. That's a very, very difficult thing. It's a very, very big challenge. Um, God willing, it should be a surmountable challenge. It should be a surmountable challenge in the midst of everything which is going on. Uh, when one wants to make Pesach, the term making Pesach, when one pictures it as this big um, uh, gathering together of many, many people and uh, regaling them and, f- and having feasts for everybody for, for eight days, um, you know, that would be something even if you didn't have to turn over your kitchen. Uh, the, the, the Pesach I think we're all preparing for is a, is a, is a more sober, but joyous, Bezus Hashem, and with more modest aspirations, Bezus Hashem, to make a beautiful, beautiful Pesach in our homes. The, the, the Pesach can be beautiful. We hope with God's help that the situation around us will allow it to be beautiful. I, I will note, I think many, many people have said this, that um, with the tremendous anxiety and concern that we have about what's going on around, there's a, a certain building up of of, of home and family that this is an opportunity for and that, and that uh, we can take advantage of in general in all of these days leading up, to, uh, leading up to Pesach. I'm going to try to go, you know, quickly to, the, um, to a discussion of the preparation for Pesach itself. And uh, what we're going to try to do Tonight, this is not going to be a one, a one-time thing. Bezos Hashem, we're going to have to have a number of discussions over the coming over the coming days, and uh, some of them will be about the halachas of preparing the house for Pesach. At a certain point, we will switch perhaps to talk about preparation for the Pesach seder. But uh, today, tonight, we're going to focus on the preparation of the house for Pesach, and. There are always are uh, two separate pieces, two separate uh, broad prongs in terms of preparation of the house for Pesach. One of it is the general, the general cleaning of the house, and the other one is the um, the uh, the preparation of a kitchen, the kashering of a kitchen, and that preparation for Pesach. Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you about the cleaning of the house. And I want to talk to you about the strategizing for the preparation of a kitchen for Pesach. While we're not necessarily going to get into all the details of the actual kashering and preparation of the kitchen, 
that we will save for another time. But we'll talk a little bit about the strategy for people who are making Pesach unexpectedly, about different kinds of things that you can do, that you can start thinking about, that you can start doing now, as you try to prepare and begin to prepare for, for Pesach. So let's first spend a little bit of time speaking about the preparation of the house generally for Pesach. There's a rule when it comes to, to, to Pesach that everybody knows, and that is that the Torah says that we're not allowed to have even the presence of, uh, of chametz in our homes. Excuse me for one second. I'm going to make a small adjustment here. I can look more directly at the camp. There's a rule when it comes to Pesach of which is that you're not allowed to have the presence of chametz in your house. And that compels us to, to not only prepare, prepare foods for Pesach, but to clean the house and to get rid of chametz. And that's something which everybody is familiar with. We are very careful about it. Chazal, the sages expected us to be on the night before Pesach. We check the house for chametz by a candlelight. We look we look in cracks and crevices to make sure that any chametz is gone from there. And of course, the, 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 the practical tradition is that in the weeks before Pesach, we spend time going through the house to make sure that, that it's clean, so that the night before Pesach, it's more of just you know, double-checking to make sure that everything is okay. What do you have to do to clean your house for Pesach? So let, let's start with rule number one. And that is that mokom she'ein machnisen bochametz, a place where chametz is not introduced during the year does not require bedikas chametz, does not require being checked for chametz. If, for example, you own a filing cabinet and the filing cabinet has in it all kinds of files and letters and all kinds of, all kinds of things, and it's not a place where you would ever store chocolate chip cookies, it's not a place where you would ever, where you would ever really bring food, it's not the kind of thing where it's in your office where you hover over food and you open it while you have food in your hand. It's, it's a drawer. It's a, it's a, it's a cabinet. Uh, your, your, your drawers of the armoire or the closet that you have in your bedroom, which you may not bring chametz ever into those places. Oh, it could be that in your closet you have some jackets or coats where you may have, may have put something in the pocket if you were running out and you, you know, wanted to put an energy bar, sometimes might make its way into your pocket because you're, you're, uh, you're not sure if you're going to have breakfast or you're not sure if you're going to have lunch. And that energy bar could be really, really chametz. So you'd have to check the pockets of those kinds of garments. But other than that, the, if you are fairly, not fairly, if you're, if you're confident that this is not a place where I bring chametz, so then it doesn't really require bedikas chametz. Now, there could be some people, there are some people here on this call, Baruch Hashem, there are a lot of people here on this call. I'm looking at the participants, we are around 92 people on the call. The, 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 um, there, are, there are people on this call who have young children who make it around their house, maybe their own young children. 
maybe uh, grandchildren or guests that come around the house. And sometimes with, with, uh, with that kind of a population, anything goes. Any place can be seen as a place where chametz can go. Well, even then, it's not clear that it's everywhere. So approach the checking and cleaning of your house for chametz in a reasonable way, in a reasonable way. You do not need, because you just discovered that you're going to be home for Pesach, you do not need to suddenly go and turn your entire house upside down. No. You have to make sure that there isn't chametz in the places where chametz might have been introduced. So let's put aside for a moment the kitchen. Let's put aside for a moment you know, the dining room. How do you do it? How do you check? So you go into your bedroom. And in your bedroom, you don't necessarily have to lift up the beds, vacuum between the box spring and the mattress, unless you're generally in the custom or your children are in the custom of storing breakfast cereal there. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you, 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 what kind of chametz would get, into a, would get into a bedroom? So again, if there are kids who march all over the place, there could be something that you'd have to look for. We'll talk about how you look for it. But otherwise, in your clothing closet, yes, look at your clothing closet. Say to yourself, do I ever bring food in here? Likely the answer is not. Could I have in here jackets or pants or something where I could have perhaps put chametz in one of the pockets? If that's the case, identify that jacket and go through the pockets. Identify that jacket and go through the pockets. It, it, it should be under sta- in standard course that you would take a very short time to, to, to make sure that that bedroom is chametz free. Now, sometimes people might have breakfast in bed. I don't know about you, but my wife me, brings me breakfast in bed minimum of three or four times a week. Um, um, some people might, sometimes if they're not feeling well, they might eat something or before they go to sleep at night, they might have a snack. So what would be there, what would be left from that if they keep a stash in their night table drawer? So then, then, uh, then that would be something that they'd have to check. Otherwise, what are they looking for? You're looking for the crumbs. So take a good look, a vacuum, vacuum around the bed. You want to look underneath, take a flashlight and look and see if there, if there are crumbs there. I, I again think that the whole matter should be a matter which is for a, a short amount of time, a few minutes, uh, you know, to be able to, to make sure that everything is done there. The one thing that a person probably has to do is they have to look around the room and see if there might be something like a perfume, which some people would not, would not even be so concerned about, but generally, you know, regular drinkable perfumes, those would be something which, unless you know that it doesn't have a chametz alcohol, it might be something to put away, because the, the perfumes are to some degree potable. Don't drink it based on my say-so, but they're to some degree potable. So that's the story with bedrooms. Children's bedrooms, you know, pretty much the same thing. Maybe they are more likely to store some kind of food in there. This is a perfect opportunity to preside, not to preside, but to instruct and to guide children to, to go through and to make sure, to make sure that they, that, they, that they clean their rooms. You cannot necessarily rely on a little child to do bedikas chametz for you. 
but you can create a circumstance where you give them instructions and see that they do it, and then you can be fairly confident. You'll look over, you'll ask them the right questions, and you'll know that it is done. But I think that generally speaking, that's the way we should do it. Is there a value for a person doing a more intense cleaning of the house before Pesach? Sometimes there is. But the halachic requirement is that you have to make sure that any place where chametz would go, where chametz might have gone, that you, that you have checked it. There's no requirement to scrub the floor. There's no requirement to launder the carpets. There's a requirement to make sure that there's no chametz there. No chametz there. And uh, again, in most rooms, a person can do that pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. There are other places, spaces, which are closer to food spaces where maybe a little more work needs to be done. If a person has a couch in their living room and people often will eat something on the couch. So yes, the cushions should be taken off of the couch. One should, uh, one should you know, clean and vacuum there. One should look underneath. But again, uh, turning the room upside down is not a genuine necessity. One doesn't need to go through all of their books. One should examine, one should look. If they have bookshelves like I do in our, in our dining room, one has to look around at the lower shelves and things like that where somebody or a child may have, may, may have put something. But other than that, here in, my dining, in our dining room, what do we have to do? We have to make sure that, well, we're going to change the tablecloth and we'll talk about that for Pesach. We'll have to look around when I'll do bedikas chametz, I won't even have to do. I won't even do it before because there's hardly anything ever there. I go down when I do the bedikas chametz on the night before and look with a flashlight to see under the baseboards and so on and so forth. Sometimes you'll find a pretzel there or a cheerio there or something like that. Uh, but by and large, it's a quick it's a quick survey of the room. Now it's valuable, and you know, in our house when we go through the dining room chairs. We go over the dining room chairs very, very carefully to make sure that there's no chametz in any crack of, uh, you know, between the cushion and the chair. And if you have the ability to, to, to do that, it's a good thing. But fundamentally, primarily, what you want to do is you want to look closely with your eyes. And if you see that it's pretty much a chametz-free, that it doesn't have crumbs, you don't have crumbs between the cushion, then you're done. Then you're okay. And again, I, I do not want to take away the fear of God that is part of the preparation for Pesach in a positive sense, in a good sense. But for people who are now finding out that they have to make Pesach and they're finding it out when they have a lot of people in the house at the same time, not all of who can be activated to do the work, this is your goal. So again, remember these principles. Number one, you'll check for chametz where chametz could have been introduced. Where chametz wouldn't be introduced, you do not have to check for chametz. And even where chametz was introduced, there's no obligation to scour the place. We're not talking about the kitchen, we're talking about other rooms. You don't have to scour it. You don't have to launder it. You have to check it to make sure that there really isn't chametz there, that there isn't any substantial uh, presence of anything that could be chametz that is there. So if we'll do this and you think about it, you go through the rooms, that's the way it would work. Now, people inevitably have questions because 
there are there there could be areas where there is a real risk of chametz. So, for example, a family with young children could have a playroom, and in that playroom they could have piles or shelves or closets filled with uh, with children's games, and the children play there. So, food can go there. Those are indeed places which would 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 typically need to be checked. And, uh, you know, one would go over, you know, the children's games to make sure that it's okay. But there's an alternative, an alternative which I would encourage you to exercise in this year of specific stress in order to minimize the, the problem here. And that is, we do something else to get rid of the chametz. And that is that we sell chametz. And when we sell chametz, we don't sell just a little crumb that's sitting in a corner. In fact, that's the least likely part to be sold. We sell places where we keep, where we store away the chametz for Pesach, and where we store it away, uh, where we store away also kalim, utensils, that we haven't prepared for Pesach. Or we could also store away items that we don't want to check for Pesach. So for example, if you have a game closet or something like that in your playroom, you can take 90% of your, of your toys and of your games, the 90% that your children hardly or grandchildren hardly ever use, and you could put it away in that closet, put tape on that closet, and say, I'm going to include this in my sale of chametz, which God willing, we'll talk a little bit later about how we're going to arrange the sale of chametz this year. But you put it away in that closet, and you choose... Here, I have 10 games or, or sets of blocks or whatever it is that we're going to use for Pesach. And those would be the ones that would stay out and everything else, everything else could go in. So you have to think about the ways to not view this as an overwhelmingly big job, but ways to minimize the job and make it more manageable. And remember again, it's inspection. It's not truly required that a person uh, bleach all of their Lego or bleach all of their wooden blocks for their children or, or, or all of the toy cars. Many people do it, many people wash it, bleaching it may not be such a great idea because it ends up in children's mouths unless you're, you're, you're confident that you can really hose it down. But people, people clean them and it's a nice thing. But in a year like this, if you're not going to be able to do that, so just inspect, inspect have a little party where everybody sits on the floor in the playroom and you just look through the pieces of Lego one by one. Probably a 10-minute activity with a few people and there you have it. If there aren't any large cupcakes stuck inside of the Lego, you are okay. So that's a, a, a perspective to some degree to hopefully minimize in a good way the... Um, the um, the, 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 the checking of the house as a whole. Now, I want to give an opportunity for people to, to pose questions, and um, maybe the method for us to do that is that there's a, a spot, there's a box uh, of, for chat here, and, um, and uh, that allows you to write something. So if you want to write something in the chat box, 
which I think would be normal, you know, if you, if you click participants in the bottom corner of it, it shows chat, and you could feel free to pose a question that I could try to, that I could try to answer as we proceed. Um, the, 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 while we wait to see if, if, if anybody wants to pose a question, I would like to, um, to just mention uh, what the plan is going to be for this year for Mechiras Chametz. Um, Mechiras Chametz, we, 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 uh, we usually execute by a harsha, which means by a power of attorney form, which is signed in person by the individual, who also makes a kinyan together with the rabbi. At this point, uh, halavai, we hope and pray that things will be different. I don't anticipate taking a pen and handing it to somebody and saying, please make a Kenyan by taking this pen and then taking the pen back. That would be going against all of the rules of hygiene and interaction which we're looking for. I'm not going to interact you know, directly one-on-one as we usually do before Pesach with, you know, with hundreds of people. Uh, I am sticking very much to the rule of stay home, stay, save lives, and minimizing physical contact with people as our other Rabbonim, and as all of us, all of you, should be doing. Stay home as much as possible. Minimize your circle, your circle of, of contacts as much as possible. Absolutely as much as possible. So we'll, what we'll be doing is we'll be having the ability to do Mechiras Chometz, you know, on, uh, online or on the phone. And information about that we're going to be, we're going to be doing, giving forthcoming. And in that way, you'll be able to appoint me, appoint me and Rabbi Rose to be your agents to be able to, 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 to sell the chametz on your behalf. So when we do that, you'll be asked about the areas where chametz are stored. Many people will write, you know, all designated cabinets, designated cabinets in this area or that area. In our house, even on a regular year, we take certain closets and we close them. We have many items that, that we don't want to clean and check for Pesach. And so we just sell those, you know, those areas because it would just be too much to do. One has to take advantage of that, of that possibility as you're trying to prepare for Pesach. So I'm going to, I'm looking here at, um, at some of the questions which are being posed. Um, is it better to wash toys like Lego or not needed at all? Just visual inspection. <clears throat> Okay, so, so in truth, if there's solid visual inspection, nothing more is really needed. Nothing more is really needed. In, a, in, in other years, some people are careful to wash, to look, partially because maybe they find it easier, partially because they want to do a spring cleaning, um, and you know, maybe just to make sure that there's no little thing there. So again, if you're looking for an activity to keep children busy with to prepare for Pesach or during these times, and you want to wash them with a little cleanser, gesunter hate. But it's not needed. It's not needed. Just visually inspect. The laundry room has always been a concern due to crumbs on clothes and on the bottoms of shoes. Just a vacuum and mop is enough. That's the question. Yes, it is. You got to look through the laundry room like any other place in the house. And yes, it could very well be that there are more crumbs that get there, that get there. But so, you know, look around your washing machine. Um, 
you'll, you'll, you'll see what's there, to take a mop and mop the floor. It's recommended to do it once in a while in any case. And, uh, and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You don't have to do more. A vacuum and mop is indeed enough. After cleaning for Pesach, what is the best next step? Okay, so that's a question which we're going to get to shortly. There was also a question that was asked, which is, why do some people hold that you can't sell chametz? Um, the, the sale of chametz is something which is a little bit of what we call a harama. It's a, it's a legal loophole. It's a way to properly address a halachic concern that you can't own chametz on Pesach, but some people, you know, pro- appropriately, want to be cautious about exercising legal loopholes when we may not absolutely have to. Um, and so some people don't sell chametz at all. Uh, it's a custom in the Jewish people that they will still, they'll still come to the rabbi to sell chametz. Uh, but what they really don't want to do is they don't want to sell something which is really chametz, you know, breads and cookies or something which has a significant mixture of chametz in it. And that's a lechatchila. I will just tell you that, you know, for us right now, I, I, we, we never have sold, uh, the Hauer family has never sold bread or cookies or macaroni or things like that, which are, which are, which are real chametz, which are real chametz. Um, we sell things, we sell uh, other items that aren't kosher for Pesach, uh, but we don't sell real chametz. We do sell, the custom of our family is that we will sell schnapps, and um, and uh, but some people won't sell that, won't sell that either. Uh, under extenuating circumstances, difficult circumstances, one can sell these things. So you know, we hope and pray, really hope and pray, and we offer that tefillah together, sincerely, that bezos Hashem, as we approach Pesach, things will be looking a lot clearer. Uh, but we're not sure where things are going to be. And so uh, I will personally, if I'm not clear where things are going to be, I'm not going to be as strict. I'll sell more chametz. Of course, I'll sell it, but I'm not going to keep it. I'm not going to use it on Pesach. Bezos Hashem, hopefully we'll all be able to, to do just fine without it. But uh, I may not be as quick to throw it away or to get rid of it if, uh, you know, if we're still in this state in one way or the other, where we're hesitant about going shopping or limiting our going shopping, I would be more cautious about uh, about being before being strict about um, about selling them on chametz. Okay, I'm just going to look for some for some uh, other. There are some other questions which have come through. Um, Sforim and books that I used at the Shabbos table. Do they need to be more closely examined? Yes, that's a very very good question. Sforim and books that you use at the table that could have crumbs in them should be, could be more closely examined, but most especially, most especially if you plan to bring them back to the table on Pesach. Um, There there are really two levels there. Um, People don't, uh, you know, a tiny little crumb uh, as uh, just uh, something which might be there in a a Sefer, it's good to check for. And if you have swarm that you regularly use at the Shabbos table, you may do so. But it's, um, it, it's not uh, something. G'dayla Yisrael did not necessarily go through all of them. I'm sure there were, there were some that did, but did not go through all of their, all of their Sforim. But if it's a Sefer that you're going to bring to the table on Pesach, 
that's a different story because, you know, crumbs that get into food, it could answer even bamashu, even a small amount. So, you know, things which are used at the Shabbos table, and we would add things which are used at the Shabbos table, which you plan to use at the Pesach table, you should, you should more, more closely examine. Uh, we, for example, will take the benchers, which of course are used at the Shabbos table, and we'll put them away in a, in a closet with the chametz and the things that we sell, because it's hard to check the benchers. So put them away. And you may, if you have specific safer that use at the Shabbos, a few svarim, you can also choose to put them away. I remember when the, the shul was very, very beautifully nice to us, um, after I was with the shul for 18 years, and they sent us to Yisrael so I could be at my father's Seder with my children, something which we hadn't done uh, at all, we hadn't done for the previous 18 years, it happened that I, I visited in Davin Mincha in the house of Rav Chaim Kanievsky on Cholomite Pesach, and I saw that he actually had a curtain up in front of his bookshelves, so he included that, so to speak, in the sale of chametz, so he didn't want to check it, and he had a, a couple of sets of svarim that were specifically for Pesach. He had a shas for Pesach, he had some other svarim that were the ones that he used for Pesach. But it's not the general custom to, uh, to be machmir, to be strict to that extent. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go through, uh, I'm trying to sort through the questions to do them in an orderly manner. Sometimes our toys end up under the dining room table with the challah crumbs, and we like to use them on Pesach. Should we clean those toys, or is inspection enough? So again, the same, the same answer. If you look at them and they look dirty, then you, should, then you should wash them. If you look at them and you don't see crumbs, you don't see anything, they look clean, then that is enough. Okay, I also addressed without seeing it this question. We are worried that when Pesach ends, there might be limited food supplies, groceries, chas v'sholom. Are we allowed to buy chametz to sell? And then other will have basic food for after Pesach. If that is a concern of yours, yes, then you may do that. You can buy before Pesach and then include it in your sale. Usually we don't tell people to do that, but this year is different. This year is different at this point in time. Um, I will also just quickly address a question which many people have, and that is if the only matzah we're able to get so far is non-shmura machine matzah, can we use that at the Seder and make an alachilas matzah on it? And the answer is yes. It's not lechatchila. It's not ideal. Uh, it's ideal that the matzos mitzvah are, are first of all, shmura, shmura mishas ktsira, that they're guarded for the sake of the mitzvah from the time of the harvesting. Uh, some people like them to be man-made with the kavan of l'shem matzos mitzvah for the purposes of the mitzvah. But the basic bottom line is that it's okay to use for the mitzvah of matzah, any matzah, which is, which is shomer, which is guarded from when the flower is already ground and not, not from the time of the harvesting. And as long as they were made for the sake of the mitzvah, even if they were made with the help of machinery. And I know, for instance, that uh, all the matzahs which are made with the OU, and I believe it's true of the other hashgachas as well, all, are all made l'shem matzos mitzvah, so a person can fulfill the mitzvah with it. The only thing you should stay away from is egg matzah, which you cannot fill, fulfill the mitzvah properly with. And generally speaking, unless a person is ill or needs it for some reason, should not be eaten by healthy people on Pesach. But uh, if one will not be able to obtain shmura matzah, hand matzah, uh, one could fulfill the mitzvah of matzah with kosher le Pesach, 
non shmura machine matzah. Okay, let me just look to see to make sure I've covered all of the questions. What should be done with uh, silver that is being used or not being used but on display? Okay, so um, the 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 uh, silver that is not being used but is on display, uh, it can remain on display, uh, provided that you have something that clearly, clearly marks that it's not something that, that you're not going to use it. Uh, now, most silver that people have in, the, in a cabinet is not so really chametz, uh, because, you know, we don't, what do we use it for, actually? It's usually used just to, for wine or for grape juice or for candles or for things like that. So we're careful, generally, to prepare those things for Pesach, and we could talk about that a little bit later. Uh, or uh, on a different one of these sessions. So we're careful to prepare those things for, um, for Pesach. But if we haven't prepared them for Pesach, they're not like real chametz. If you had like really chametz dishes, you, wouldn't wanna, you shouldn't have them on display on Pesach. But something which really isn't chametz, it's just that you wouldn't want to bring it to your table because you haven't really prepared it. So then just put a piece of tape on the door or of that part of the cabinet, or something like that, which will remind you and stand in the way of you using it for Pesach. But, um, but, uh, but other than that, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to put it away. The silver that you do plan to use, so that we'll have to talk about a little bit when we speak about koshering, how we kosher different items, how we prepare them for, uh, for, for Pesach use. So let's, let's now... If it's okay, um, it, if it's okay, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know the next steps and steps you that you should be thinking about now, besides this idea the the ideas around cleaning for Pesach, and that's that has different parts to it. One is the kashering, the preparing and kashering of the kitchen for Pesach, and the thinking about the kind of cooking, shopping and cooking, what you're going to need to have to do to be able to, 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 to be ready for Pesach. So, as noted before, the koshering we're going to leave as a separate discussion and hopefully also be able to give you some visual uh, resources so you'll be able to see, you'll be able to see, you know, how it is, how it is done. But um, if, we'll, if we'll talk here about sort of strategizing this thing first. Um, Kashering a kitchen is a job, and uh, here too we have to figure out the ways to make it most manageable. The first decision you have to make, really, is to what extent you're going to cook for Pesach and to what extent you're going to purchase for Pesach. We expect Be'ezus Hashem, with Hashem's help, and we're, we're hopeful that they're going to be, and, and you should follow the Baltimore Jewish Life and other sources of news and information, and our, our shul messages will try to share, that they'll be readily available Pesach pre-cooked food. Now some people, uh, you know, there's an expression that they don't mish, they don't eat food on Pesach that was cooked by others. Uh, anybody who goes to a hotel, obviously, doesn't hold that way. And... Uh, and it's not a halachic prohibition, it's a minig which some people keep, and, um, 
And uh, again, in years of extenuating circumstances, that's when a chumrah like that uh, you have to be mindful of. And, I, and there, there are certainly many people who should be thinking in should be thinking in those terms to be buying whatever prepared meals prepared foods are going to be available by different establishments for uh, for Pesach but people still will want and will need to some degree to prepare their kitchens an additional challenge which we have this year is that it is unlikely that we're going to be able to have koshering done in shul's kitchens where they where the dishes will be koshered by others and sometimes it's hard to kosher your dishes yourself. What I would encourage people to do, again, in, in terms of trying to do things as basically, as minimally as possible, is the following. Koshering pots is possible. We can talk about, God willing, in the future, we can talk about how to do it. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. If I know there are all kinds of extra financial issues which are there now, but it might be worth considering taking a look, going on to Amazon to buy a basic set of pots. We'll have to deal with the issues of tefillas kalim, of immersing, immersing those kalim in a mikvah, and it, God willing, in a future discussion, I'll tell you, I personally was not comfortable to send uh, kalim to the mikvah. We had a bunch of, a bunch of such dishes, uh, recently that, you know, that came through and I said, no, don't take them to the mikveh. The mikveh, the kela mikveh with, at the Agoda is chlorinated. Uh, you know, there is chlorine in the water, which is, you know, good at killing germs, but there's just so much around there. I wasn't comfortable. And so we, those dishes for us right now aren't essential. So we're just going to put them aside to the time when we can take them to the kela mikveh. But there are ways, and we'll discuss them next time, to at least temporarily bypass the obligation. You can't just say I'm using it once, that's not a way, but we'll talk about another method to deal with it, you know, God willing, hopefully, hopefully in the next time. But think about those basic things. Don't buy a full complement of dishes. There's no reason to. And here, I'm saying this as, you know, the Hauer family, we've made Pesach Baruch Hashem for many, many decades and uh, full Pesach, and we use disposable dishes for Pesach. It may not be the most uh, environmentally sensitive thing. We, we don't use them a lot during the year, but for Pesach we do, and it simply uh, just has, makes, makes life much easier. And for, for, for everyone here who doesn't already have Pesach dishes, and I might even suggest for those who do, to make life easier in terms of washing and everything else, buy disposable dishes and, uh, and disposable cutlery. You need some solid cutlery if you're going to cook. You need pots if you're going to cook. So those are, would be the things that you would need to buy. But I don't think that people need to buy a full, a full range of things. People should be basic and, uh, and you know, buy the minimum complement of a couple of serving pieces uh, a couple of couple of pots and pans, and uh, you know a, a set of pots and pans. You know to 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 have what one needs. In terms of uh, an, an, another purchase for a person to consider, as um, as uh, approaching Pesach, is you have to figure out how to cover surfaces. So um, 
you know, there are different things that people could use. Fundamentally, you could take anything. You could take uh, uh, silver foil, you know, order online. Uh, or if you have, you know, silver foil, something we had heavy duty silver foil and just have, uh, you know, two layers for sure is sufficient and you could spread it over it. Another thing which you can probably again purchase online from a fabric place or from Amazon, something which we use in our home is a, a, a nice thick vinyl which comes on a roll like a fabric roll and you, you can lay it out on your counters, you know, cut out for the sinks and for the faucets. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful covering that works and it's, it's renewable year to year. We, we, we've, we use them for several, for many years and they last, they last beautifully. And you can get that delivered to your door. And if you need some tips on how to cut it out around the sink, um, I'm happy to, to give them to you. Um, but, uh, you know, th- th- those are the items which, which are needed in order to be able to prepare, in order to be able to prepare the house. But again, you know, m- minimize. And when it comes to buying these items, these utensils, I would encourage you as much as possible, don't go out, buy things, buy things online, buy things online. In terms of, uh, in terms of food items, uh, so yes, you're going to definitely, people are going to need to, to be able to, to get food. Um, I want to express what has been said and known, and uh, Rabbi Ganak of the OU has told this to me repeatedly, as recently as this, as this evening, that the, the manufacturers of Pesach food have made a full complement. Uh, they're not worried that there will be enough supply. Their only worry is that because people are doing panic buying, so it can you know, upset the supply chain. But fundamentally, there is enough supply for, for everyone to be able to have for Pesach and uh, you know, Bahoser. And, 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 and the stores here have reassured of the same. There are, um, uh, there's a lot that can be done with basic ingredients you know, in order to be able to make meals and to make Pesach. Uh, perhaps uh, one of these uh, future discussions could be, could include some advice from uh, the person who really knows the score on these matters, which is, uh, which is uh, the Rebetzin, can give some tips in terms of, in terms of being able to manage it. But um, you, you, you should also take advantage of the different Pesach guides whether the, the, the Star K's Pesach Guide, which is available online, all but the medicine sections. It's available online. It's a wonderful resource for free. The OU Passover Guide, which has sections, both of them have sections of items that you can purchase without a specific kosher for Pesach designation, uh, but that they're kosher for Pesach with, without it. They should be ideally new packaging, and you know, unopened, you may have them around your house. You may be able to, to you know, to order them, to come to your house. So you know, get those kinds of things and strategize in in order to be able to prepare and to prepare in a way which is not excessive, in a way which is you know going to be basic, going to be basic. The great joy, Bezos Hashem, which we're going to have this Pesach, is the joy of the simple things of being able to be together, of being able to. To, to celebrate Pesach, of being able to celebrate that the 
mashchis, that the destructive force passed over our houses and will continue to pass over our houses, Bezus Hashem. That would be, that would be the, uh, the idea. So, so, uh, so, you know, that's a little bit of that strategizing. I'm going to pause again for some questions. See that some, some uh, have come. Um, okay, one, I, the, the, the loophole in terms of toveling new pots and dishes at a time like this. So I address that. Um, okay. And about this forum used at the Shabbos table that we used at Pesach Seder, we need to examine bindings on each page. Uh, not obsessively, not obsessively. L- l- try to look, you know, take the, take the book and, uh, and go like this. If there are specific sections that, you know, are likely looked, so you can, you can go and you can tr- try to look. But it, it, you don't have to be, uh, you know, crazy. You don't have to be crazy about it as you look. As you look through it, just uh, in a in a reasonable in a reasonable way. Um, so there aren't a lot more questions that are popping up on here. So I want to just uh, I want to just uh, spend a few more minutes on the idea of you know strategizing for the for the kitchen, and then God willing, next time we'll talk a little bit about the kitchen in greater detail. So in terms of strategizing for the kitchen, for preparation of the kitchen, so here too, what you want to do is you want to uh, take areas of your kitchen where you're going to just close up. You're going to close up dishes and cabinets. You'll put, you know, the pantry areas, whatever it is, and see which areas you're going to leave open. But you can take tons of cabinets that you have in your kitchen. I don't know how many you have to begin with. You'll see. <laughs> but take tons of the cabinets and just close them up. You see, purely speaking, any dish which you have in your house, even if you don't kashr it for Pesach, you have to check to make sure there's no chametz on it. Nobody's able to do that. Uh, it's too hard for us to go through all the dishes which we have. Once upon a time, they didn't have so many. So what we do is we put them in the cl- in the cabinet, we close the cabinet, and I include it in the sale of chametz. I don't sell the dishes. I can't sell the dishes because then you'd have to table them after Pesach, which were, as we discussed before, is an issue altogether. But you want to instead just, uh, just uh, uh, put them aside. We rent the dishes. And so as many cabinets as you can, close off. And you choose a few cabinets to keep free for whatever Pesach dishes you'll have, for whatever Pesach items you'll have that you'll put in, you know, for the pantry, for this minimalist Pesach that you are making. So that's a next step of strategy in terms of planning your kitchen. And again, I, I, I think, I, I don't want to be audacious and say, you know, you can do this whole thing in three hours. But I don't think that, 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 that it has to be a, a crazy amount. There will be some real sc- scrubbing that has to be done for a house, for a kitchen, for Pesach. There's, there's going to be no avoiding that if you're going to be cooking in the kitchen. But in terms of the earlier stages of organization, of setting it up mainly, a lot of that can be done. Think strategically. You'll put the stuff away. You'll close them in these cabinets. You can start moving stuff around already you know, earlier in order to be prepared, in order to, in order to have, a, have a setup. 
Um, there are things I want to also mention, and this is something you could start thinking about and planning, but uh, you don't necessarily, many people have separate and new tablecloths for Pesach, which is a very nice thing and a very, very good thing, but it's not a required thing. And uh, instead, you could take your regular tablecloths and just make sure they're not soiled, you know, with actual stuff in them. A stain is not soiled, but in them, and just wash them with hot water. So that's something you could start thinking about doing already early now. You can do that with, with your tablecloths. You can do that with your dish towels. Uh, it's something to do anyway, and that will be, and, uh, and, and, and that will be okay. Um, I want to uh, address a few more questions which came in over the line. Uh, one question here is, do we need a new hot water urn for Pesach or a new plata? So um, when it comes to the hot water urn, a hot water urn is a very difficult thing to kosher, but there's a question as to whether it even needs to be koshered. And many times it doesn't need to. Um, and that would be where you're quite sure that it steers clear of food. Sometimes it does need to. And it really depends where people keep the hot water urn. Um, there are a lot of people who keep the hot water urn, let's say on a sidebar someplace, and the hot water urn is perfectly clean. And they don't put oatmeal in a cup underneath the spigot of the hot water urn. And so they know it's always used just for tea or coffee and it's kept in this pristine place. And that urn doesn't really need to be kashered for Pesach. A good thing to do would be to wipe it, to run hot water through it, and then to let it out through the spigot, to clean around the spigot, and that would be fine. But sometimes a hot water urn is in the middle of everything. It's kept near the crock pot, and you could see cholent splatters on the outside of the crock pot, and cholent is real chametz. You have cooking barley there. And um, sometimes people, again, will be having oatmeal packets. So you have to know how you use it. If you keep it clear, and clean, and it looks that, that way, you probably don't need to kosher it for Pesach, just clean it well. If you don't keep it clear and clean, then I would be hesitant to use it for Pesach. The, the plata, uh, the plata it, it's, it's a difficult thing to technically kosher when food goes on it, but what you can do is you can clean it really well, and then put two layers of, if possible, heavy-duty foil, but certainly foil which is not gonna be torn, two layers of foil over the surface, and, and it could be used for paste. So again, clean around the knobs and everything, and that will be fine. Do all the shelves of the fridge freezer need to be covered if they were cleaned well? So the covering of shelves is not required halachically, not in the fridge, not in the freezer, and not in your cabinets. They need to be cleaned. If you're using a cabinet, the cabinets that you're using for Pesach, the fridge and freezer shelves, need to be cleaned very well. But they don't need to be covered, technically speaking. Now, many people, their mothers were God-fearing people, and they covered the shelves. And if you want to cover the shelves, it's fine. But you don't need, technically speaking, to do so. The bigger deal with fridges and freezers is uh, to make sure that they're really clean. And that's a job. You have to take out the shelves and try to make sure that, you know, that things are clean, that crumbs are out. You have to look around the gaskets. There are crumbs in a lot of unpredictable places. So cleaning the fridge and the freezer is a job. 
You don't have to pull out the fridge and freezer. If you never pull it out except there of Pesach, you don't have to pull it out. You can leave it there and you don't have to look for the Cheerio that rolled behind it. Um, silver foil needed around faucets. Uh, the area around the faucet needs to be covered like any other area of countertop uh, that, that you have. Um, uh, for the cabinets that will be closed off and sold, do they need to be cleaned out of crumbs gotten rid of, i.e. crumbs in the baking cabinet? No, they don't need to. They don't need to. You're selling the area. You don't need to. You wanna, if you don't like to sell real chametz, you want to make sure that you don't have any real chametz sitting in there. If you'll be careful about that, but technically speaking, you don't have to do bedikas chametz in that cabinet that you closed off and selling. A faux leather tablecloth that can't be put in a washing machine, can it be sprayed with Lysol? Is that enough? Um, I'm not sure that that's enough. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, uh, I don't think if you if you haven't been able to really wash it, uh, I wouldn't use that surface. I wouldn't use that surface for chametz that, that was used for chametz to use it for Pesach. Are new aerators for faucets needed? No, that's not the custom uh, when you kasher your sink. So you should try to pour water over that. But you don't need a new. You, you, it's not customary for people to replace the aerators, at least in these parts, it's not customary for people, for people to, uh, to do that. Okay, um, I'm going to actually, here, I don't see any more questions in the chat. Do we have that? Do we have any? Did I miss anything? No, I don't see any more in the chat. I want to unmute everybody for one purpose, and that is you should have the sense of community, of, of saying hello to each other, okay? We're not isolated, okay? Okay, you're now all audible. You're now all audible. Okay. So, Kanei Nahara, there were 90-something people on now, phasing off. I'm happy to take comments and questions offline. The selling the chametz in Hashem. We'll be getting back. I mentioned earlier we're going to be getting back to you with specific instructions about selling the chametz. Okay. Okay. All the best. All the best, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Stay well. Everybody should stay well and stay strong. We're going to get through this. Everyone's going to be good. We're going to make a good Pesach. Yerzah Hashem. Amen.